Hey guys, Todd Sachs, Sachs Realty, and uh, I have a really uh, special podcast for you this evening. Um, we're actually, we want this video to go around the world. In fact, uh, we've already started because uh, our guest and author is from Australia, and he's in Australia right now. And guys, it's 10 a.m. in Australia. It's 8 p.m. here in, uh, in Eastern time. And um, I'm going to introduce Toph Evans. Uh, Toph wrote a book called Everyone Has a Plan Until Shit Hits the Fan. And guys, my mom used to say that when I was little. And, you know, I mean, a lot of you have heard, you know, what happens when, the, you know, the shit's getting ready to hit the fan. And I can tell you, the shit has hit the fan. I mean, with everything that's going on, I mean, here we are, we're bringing in 2020, January 1, and we're like, yeah, the roaring 20s, and then all of a sudden, March hits. We have a global pandemic, and everybody's going, this shit's hitting the fan. And you may be a college kid that was graduating, and you, you had to graduate via Zoom, or maybe you didn't have a graduation. Maybe you're getting married, and you, know, you had plans, people coming in from out of town, and you had to cancel them whatever it is, maybe you were starting a new job. Um, so, you know, I want to uh, thank you, Toe, for your, your time and, and joining us. And man, why don't you tell everybody who you are and, uh, and, and what you do? Yeah, pleasure for having me. Thank you, mate. Um, so for myself, I'm just, a, just a, any other human being. But for myself, everything I've done has come out, out of adversity. Um, as someone who has put himself through some extreme endurance events and being an advocate on mental health, it all happened because of adversity. And you did mention the book and I'm not here to plug it, but the title of it is quite, it's just ironic. I wrote it three years ago, but it's still applicable with today's times. Like no one, like if ever everyone was asked in 2015, where do you see yourself in five years time? No one would have got it right. And it's true, like what we have to know is how to adapt. And in my, for myself, when I, and don't get me wrong, I, I still struggle with anxiety today. Maybe not as much as the depression, but even back, and I'm just here to be vulnerable as well, here to be open as just a regular human being. Awesome. Um, I, I used to struggle with um, certain insecurities in my life that maybe mask myself as someone else. So when I look in the mirror, I don't want to be that person I was looking at. So I want to be someone else. And that backfired and that bit me on the ass pretty hard um, where I went through this deep spiral of a wormhole that I was fortunate enough to come across like the right people with mentorship and just started to have an open mind and started to look after my body as well. So I went through like to backtrack it a bit, like I went down the drug and alcohol path pretty badly and I was using it to mask and it was an amplification of like exactly what I was thinking in my mood. And one thing led to another and to another. And it did seem like suicide was the only purpose that I had at the time. It was pretty bad. And when I was mad, like it felt like a push and pull with my anxiety and depression with this tug of war. Um, it wasn't until I like, I was able to open up and properly process what was going on. That unworthiness was a, um, like a keen candidate of what was going on that and powerlessness. 
some people have trouble with abandonment, but a lot of it was like traumas as a kid, um, trying to validate who I was, people pleasing. And it wasn't until I said, I need to focus on myself and focusing on myself meant reading. Like that was actually like a big one for me. I had never read a full book from start to finish. And it wasn't until I got keen on people's biographies and see like a lot of them came from nothing and turned into something. And the something was that they created themselves. It wasn't something predicated on anyone else. Then I got into health and I was a kid to put in perspective in high school. I never did sports because I was ashamed of who I was. I um, could not, I had the worst hand eye coordination back then. I think things have picked up a little bit better. I never did sports and I was, I just thought I'd stay as an academic kid because of what I perceived as what it meant to be an athlete. Um, and then I managed to use sport as an outlet for me, ironically, growing up as I left school. So I used walking and running and then running turned into marathons and then marathons turned into these stupid long distance events that I'd, I'd never thought I could imagine do. But then once I was able to f have that feeling of, oh, wow, this is, I've got my worth back, I was able to use that to give back as well. So that gratitude piece from a massive, like the utmost level of giving back um, really kind of solidified a purpose in a way. Um, so I was doing all these events, giving back to a cause that meant a lot to me. And then things started to really unfold when I really opened up about the mental health side of things because I never really spoke about it. And then... I thought now is the best time because I want a breakdown of what masculinity means because it is okay to cry as a guy. It is okay to go through sadness and anger and as well as joy and fear, but to be able to process that. So to actually talk about how, who I am as a person is just like everyone else. Mental health advocacy just seemed like the great outlet for me to actually speak about these things and talk about resilience that we're all human and we can go through these things, but what makes greatness is actually bouncing back from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a little synopsis <laughs> in a real sense. That's really great. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable because there are a lot of people that feel exactly the way that you do and it's a hard, they're probably stuck and not known, especially with the COVID um, and the state of our world right now, it would be hard for them to maybe get out of that and move in the proper direction. You talked about the endurance challenges. Was that just something that you were like, how did, you, how did that happen? How were you like, I'm going to start and do this and it's going to help me? Can you walk us down that a little bit? Yeah, and really, and to piggyback on that, I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, it's <clears throat> so, I mean, there are a lot of young people right now i mean you know i know they're you know they're graduating college i mean a lot of 22 23 year olds or people graduating with their master's degree and they're moving back home and they're feeling you know maybe they're feeling like you know there isn't a whole lot of hope you know they were hoping to have jobs and and maybe some of them were getting jobs i mean when did you start just to kind of you know piggyback on what melissa's saying with getting into endurance i mean how did you turn how how young were you when you started turning to things that were more destructive like drugs and alcohol and things like that and when did you start to acknowledge that you were actually having mental health issues and then you know 
how did you pull yourself out to that and then use that or, you know, um, morph into this athlete that you never were when you were younger? Mm. Um, I guess going back to Melissa's question, it was, and I'll obviously go into you, Todd. Um, the, it, I managed to get this on board with a friend. So he was noticing like how much impact I was having myself that he wanted to jump on board. And then after a few events, we decided, why don't we actually do this together? And being immersed in such a community, people would see us do all these events. So the first year, 2016, we did 40 events in one year. So to put that in perspective, that's like doing one of, that's less, that's doing like almost one every week. Um, and people would see us at these events and going, you guys should do this, you guys should do that. And then we thought, screw it, why not? And if we're gonna be putting our bodies through hell, it's like, what's the worst that can happen if we put our, through twice the distances and all that so for us it looked it, something beautiful came out of from a challenge and we flipped the script well why flip the script in my thoughts i'm going i wasn't able to do this to going huh i've been through something similar what's the worst that can happen to go through that so that's just to answer your question melissa mm -hmm. um regarding you todd it was more having the understanding of the issues I would say, and like, I'd feel that knowing that it was okay to not be okay, I'm going, okay, I feel pretty bad. I don't feel that great right now. And when I had surrendered to what was going on, there was an acceptance that finally came with it. Um, that acceptance came about because I've just understood that okay, this is where I'm at and understanding where I'm at. And I still surrender to things if I've got like a resistance with whatever I'm going in. Um, it could be anything to do with work or any other um, pillar in life that I'm going through. When I when I finally like surrendered that I've accepted to where I'm at, I'm able to move forward. And mm. it just, it, it makes like an anchor point of where I'm at. And it's almost like, you can kind of gamify like i can kind of gamify it by going okay now let's see if i can get out of this and if not then i can still ask for help anyway and that's one of the hardest things and it's pretty hard like there is like a lot of like stigma attached to it for asking for help because as a guy how old were you like when you how old was i um i'd say 21 22 when this was at this point because as a guy with it's almost like brought up that we have to know how to how to take care and how to take care of everything and everyone but i was doing that but i was think, taking care of myself so it's like look I, I i might need a hand with this and this is going to be a rocky process and but just accepting where i'm at uh, makes me accept me for who i am and it is more of a, a self-validation thing as opposed to relying on external um, are, you, are you religious? No, I'm not. That's the thing. So I was baptized Catholic because I have a Filipino mom and it's very common to do that. But I don't, I still think there's, I think I'm agnostic where I think there is a, something out there and whether that's the universe or whatever. Um, some people call it God, whatever the situation is. I definitely think there's an energy out there. Um, but I think that happens from the good that I put in. So almost like a karma but it's also for good intention. Mm -hmm.
lull the land. Yeah, exactly. We've um, watched a lot of your videos and you talk about the formula of adversity times mindset times gratitude. Can yeah. you explain that a little bit for everyone who's listening? Yeah, sure. So I'm going like I'm studying this thing with like neuroscientists and with psychologists and even for myself of like breaking down of like how did I for myself and other people's case studies how did they get out of it and like the common things that we'd found that were it's like this venn diagram to put it in perspective no one's seen this and this like the first circle is adversity the second one's mindset and then the last one's gratitude but there's always these converging things when the circles overlap there's this middle piece and when I say the start is adversity, it comes back full circle. It always goes around. And like when you go through it, we all have gone through it. It goes back again, but at least it gives us an awareness and it teaches us that if we're going through adversity, there will always be some sort of gratitude and perspective at the end um, to put it in, to put it in perspective, no pun intended, that it's thinking of it like the adversity comes in and it's usually some sort of hardship. Um, it could be losing um, a loved one, it could be losing a job, it could be an injury, it could be anything. And then once there's like that acceptance process, it does change the mindset. And it's about like, all right, what are the small actionable steps about moving forward? Who do I need to reach out to? Who's going to be in my circle to help me go through this? And then in there, once the ball is starting to roll, then obsession comes through. And I'm not talking addiction, obsession, like utmost full energy in there to get through it. And then throughout the process, because it is about the process, not the, the destination, there is like a light bulb moment or a click or just some sort of point where for myself, I will go and anyone else that would recognize this can go, oh my God, I'm actually grateful to go through the hell at the start because I would not be here without it. And that gratitude leads into perspective. And I think perspective is so important because that's what compassion and empathy comes from. Like right now, we're going through a pandemic. We're also going through um, anti-racism. We're going through everything. And let's go back to the COVID thing because I touched on that first. We can all relate to it because we're all going through it as, as a species, not as a nation, as a species. Like it's only now that our restrictions are starting to ease off here in, in our state now in Australia as well. Um, but we can all go, damn, I can relate to that because I'm going through that right now. And we all might be going through it differently, but at least we can have empathy and some sort of perspective on how we're going through it. And I think that's what it's teaching us about, uh, the black lives matter movement and with anti-racism that like, I know what it's like to be bullied because of my color. Like I was an outcast. Like I've grew, I was born in New Zealand and I moved to Australia, but they're like sister countries but I have, a, like, I have an Asian background, so I know what it's like to be an outcast, but I just also am glad like this movement's coming out because it's making teaching how like white privilege is what it's about for me to understand what it's about and also vice versa. So that comes from it. That's a perfect way to look around how the practical resilience, that framework has applied to even today's and the relevant movements of what's going on right now. Yeah. So Absolutely. go ahead, Melissa. 
No, I was just going to say thank you so much for touching on that. Um, and I really wanted to get into a little, switch it up just a little bit and talk about mm -hmm. your endurance challenges. So what was the one that took the most time for you? I know you, I think 24 hours on the treadmill was yeah, this what is some crazy stuff. <laughs> really well <laughs> of the challenges that you have done. Can you share with us some of the challenges that you have? Yeah. Um, like the 24 hours on the treadmill, I, I pretty much orchestrated the whole thing. It was never an event. I had to, I had to do business development to get the sponsors on board. I had to get the treadmills from other States as well as managing it, running it <laughs> literally <laughs> like things like that. I'm on this treadmill for 12 hours and going, this is easier than managing the process of getting all the stuff here. Wow. Um, but so, like, that was hard, like 18 hours, bodies cramping, hard to go oh, to yeah. the toilet, um, to, oh, what else have we done? Some like, obscure, like, yes, there's the marathons and the, the hundred mile events and things like that. But there's also like the weird obscure ones, like carrying, um, 50, I'm going to put this in American terms cause I did do the conversions, 55 pounds of water on the shoulders for 62 miles or hundred kilometers. So looking like what people look like in, in developing countries with like the stick and the gallons of water doing that for a charity. Well, I was so inspired by the story that I was like, okay, we've got to do this that I realized we're carrying like five times the amount of water that would on the shoulders, but still um, understanding to put it in perspective in the most obscene way did really make me empathize empathize and be very compassionate of what people that are going through stuff like that can't get any Amen. basic water. Like I can just get water from my tap and it's drinkable. Amen. Um, so events like that, um, I'd say the, the one that hit me the hardest and actually I went through a, a mental breakdown and identity crisis afterwards was attempting to run across Scotland. So 214 mile, which is 345 kilometers. Um, I wanted to do this for two reasons, a selfish reason and a selfless reason. So this was in 2018, uh, August, September time. I want to do it selfishly because of how I was able to turn myself around and I wanted to put myself through. This would have been my hardest event. This would have been more than double the distance I would have ran before. Um, so a hundred and something mile was the furthest I ran before. Now I'm trying to do 214 and it's a lot like people don't even drive that far. Yeah. it's a long way <laughs> and it's through scotland i'm going through cow paddocks and you know, like everything and um and the self selfless reason was for everyone that was told that they were told no throughout their entire lives because as we get older and i'm sure it's, it's done out of love but people are like you can't do this because of that and they're projecting their own insecurities and their own rejections onto other people so that anyone that's wanted to ask that girl or the guy out on a date or wanted to write that book or to um, start that business it could be anything and is, and is held back by the, by the saying no, this was for them to show that using perspective, not comparison, using perspective of how a human being, any other human being that like goes through the same feelings as everyone else is able to, to run from one side of the country to another, then this might give them a bit of like just shed some light on the topic. But that was so hard because there's a video of me breaking down, like crying my ass off because I'm just in a mess. Like I'm a hundred and 
80 miles in 174 miles in and I'm pulling out mm. and it's messed up. But afterwards I was going through identity crisis of should I be a runner to, I wasn't able to finish it. All these things that it makes me so grateful that I didn't finish it because it taught me so much about myself. Like Kobe says, like we learn more about the losses and the wins, but it taught me about community, which is partly what reason a human has a purpose is we're neurobiologically wired for story for, for connection. Brene Brown says that I've actually mentioned it in the book so many times. And when I didn't finish those 40 miles, people around the LinkedIn community, just people around the world that had been following the journey were contributing to a few miles that they were able to help. That gives me goosebumps that I sent it to the race director. I was like, I don't care about the finisher buckle because you get a buckle when you finish. I know, right? We don't, we do this for a reason. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'd rather this than that. And they're like, respect man that's that's awesome yeah. so that's awesome that, that one taught me so much about myself um that it's okay it's okay to not you know accomplish yeah. that's a better story anyway yeah i mean the, the thing is you know and i say this all the time i mean you're gonna win some and you're gonna lose some the idea is you know yeah. if you're going to lose i mean you look at two sports teams going against each other they both can't win so, I mean, in most sports, I mean, you have a winner and you have a loser and it's okay to lose, but you, you showed up, you showed up to win and, you know, and you learn something by it and you can strengthen by that. What, I mean, I, I mean, this is amazing stuff. I mean, I, when I looked at some of the things that you were doing, some of these physical challenges, I was just, I mean, I, I've been an athlete you know, pretty much my whole life. And, and you don't I, mind me asking what, what sports were you involved with? I played football, I played lacrosse, I ran, um, you know, and just, you know, in uh, rec council as a kid and then in high school, you know, and, and not, uh, you know, in college. Uh, yeah. But I know the kind of commitment and the physical, you know, the physical commitment and how you have to build up the things. And, and I mean, so, well, you said you didn't want to plug your book. Well, I want to plug your book because I think, you know, so far, I mean, your book is great. And, you know, for everybody listening, I mean, look, he's got great reviews on Amazon. Check it out. Um, certainly, um, I think it applies to just about everything. And, um, you know, give us some advice for, you know, people right now that are um, going through you know, mental health issues or just struggles of identity and things that you're touching on. Yeah. You know, can you just give us a couple, give the audience just a couple good um, things that they can be doing to just get through the next step and kind of, you know, take us through a little process. Sure. And I think this is going to piggyback. I think this is a great time to segue actually into what you're talking about winning and losing and this actually applies to something practical so if anyone has a netflix doco um i feel free to watch brene brown's like um doco that she put out last it wasn't a doco it was actually a keynote that they recorded and she talks about winning and winning actually might look like for ourselves it could be just showing up that could be a win it's like daring greatly for that it's um getting outside and going for a walk just to clear our heads um so it's it's changing the perspective of what winning is to ourselves 
it doesn't mean doing the, the complete thing. It's actually just small actionable steps so that we can get closer. And then that afterwards, it does become, it does put everything in perspective. Um, if someone really wants to have a, like a mental shift, and I highly recommend you guys doing this, is doing, there's obviously gratitude. I've spoken about gratitude, but it's obviously like, they've been talking about this for thousands of years. Like Marcus Aurelius has been talking about this for thousands of years, but there's always talk about right one thing we're grateful for every day or three things. Like I have a mental reminder at eight o'clock every morning. What is one thing I can be grateful for this morning? Mm-hmm. It has to be something that new and I have to almost like justify why that way I'm putting it into reasoning, but cool challenge. Anyone's listening, write down a hundred things you're grateful for because after number 40 also, even when I did it, I was like, uh, I don't know what else I can be grateful for, but it made me appreciate the little things. Like I'm grateful that I can see every color. I'm grateful because some people are blind and I'm grateful for um, that. I can walk ha- happy and healthily today, even that I'm going through injury. I, that's actually something I'm struggling with right now. And it, it does play in my mental health. So the fact that I can walk and actually see a physio, I'm very grateful for because one of the events I did was run hundred kilometers with a guy that has no arms and the poor bastard can't do 99% of the things that we all can't do. Mm-hmm. So that makes, that puts everything into perspective and it makes me focus on what I have, not what I'm missing. That one is the big one. Um, being grateful and also the things that we can do to ourselves. It's like eating the right things. I stress eat. So if I'm struggling I used to rely on drugs and alcohol, but if I'm struggling now, I'm able to push past that barrier. I rely on sugar and I'll, I'll own that. So um, when I can eat healthy, I feel better. And when I just, it's, it's just basic like physiological things. That's always a big one because it all starts with ourselves and also what we put in ourselves. Um, I will get off, I'll do like a social media detox if I have to, because sometimes the news and the media portrays the bad things because we're wired for bad news because it's for, for, for survival creatures, things like that. And also the, the big one that I will, I should advocate more of is actually having for men is doing the men's circles and women doing the women's circles, all the circles that we can be in where we can be in a safe space. Obviously whatever said is, is kept in there as confidential to help us process what's going on. Because some of the things that were going on is going back from our deep rooted triggers when we're children, literally. Um, so being in those environments where we can obviously help us go through, but it helps us process the emotions that we're going through so that they don't come out on our loved ones. Um, so when we, when we allow to ourselves to be vulnerable, we don't take it out on anyone else and obviously taking it. And that also means to be kind to ourselves as well. So I can go down an absolute rabbit hole with this stuff. But I just... love everything you're saying, though. It's so true. It's so important to be grateful for even little things. And I just, and always finding the silver lining. Um, I, I really like that. I like everything that you're saying. I think it's very important and important for people to hear it. Yeah, I mean, we're always going through things. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that it's the decisions that we make, not the situation that, you know, helps to, you know, um, have the positive or not so positive outcome. I mean, it's what you turn to. So, you know, some people, 
And uh, I've been guilty of that too, you know, turn to things that aren't very constructive, uh, but we use whether it's alcohol or whatever to get us through and it's not really the best decision. So, I mean, like you're saying with stress eating, I do the same thing. I mean, I stress eat, you know, my wife even tell me, you know, like, stop, you know, like, what are you doing? I'll come home from work and, you know, just start eating everything that I see. And it's like just trying to break that chain and, um, you know, and, and make a better decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, look, man, I know, um, you know, we're, you know, very respectful for your time. I know that you, you've got to run, um, but we really, um, we're following you now. So uh, we can't wait to see what you're doing and you're doing such great things. And um, I just encourage everybody, you follow TOF and, and um, you know, we found you, man, on LinkedIn and you've got a bunch of followers and you have actually popped up a couple of times on, um, you know, some of the most influential LinkedIn people to follow. And so you are inspirational. You're helping so many people and we're so glad you're doing well. And, uh, and, and we just thank you again for your time and we're going to stay in touch. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, it's always a pleasure to be on a platform where I can just be myself as well. So thank you for like allowing me to do so um, where I don't have to put on a mask and take all the things off. And so everyone can hear and sound and yeah. um, know that I'm a human being and for everyone else to like understand that they're worthy of whatever they're going through, even, even the dark days um, because that's what like, that's where the greatness comes from as well. It's, it's also understanding that, we're not alone. Um, so that's also part reason why I'm happy to lay my heart out. I'm probably, someone might not agree with this and that's fine. Um, but there are always someone that may be going through something similar. So, yeah, definitely. And guys, uh, thanks for watching. And if you haven't subscribed to our uh, YouTube channel, please do so now hit that little bell. Toph would love for you to do the same for him. Uh, we're going to publish all of his stuff. I mean, obviously we're live right now, but we are going to, uh, uh, publish all of his information, contact information, and feel free to reach out and, uh, and show your love and support for uh, what he's doing. And, uh, you know, really not just Australia, but all over the world. So um, thank you so much again and have a great thank night. Thank you, Toe. Great morning, I should say. <laughs> thank you both. Thank you so much. Sachs Realty, Maryland broker number 607720, office number 443-318-4514, equal housing opportunity.